0: This is the eighth factor of the Eightfold Path, Samadhi. This is a very exalted state of mind and of heart. If you manage to have developed the first seven factors in the right way, the causes that you put in should have led to this as a result. Samma Samadhi is often translated as right concentration. I find it a very bad translation. I will try to find different words for this. But what you really want to do is understand it for yourself. And you will understand it by reading the explanation that the Buddha gives of what Samma Samadhi is. There are four jhanas which are classically what is listed under Sama-Samadhi. So whenever somebody talks about Samadhi or Samatha meditation, we are referring generally to this Jhana state. And that means that something is missing from your psychological makeup, and that is the five hindrances. They have now been diminished and suppressed, at least for a period of time. These hindrances, these psychic irritants, have declined, disappeared, and five things, which are powers of the mind, have arisen. And this is where we might get the idea of concentration. The first two factors of the first jhana are called bitaka and vichara. These are what we would call clarity, lucidity on a specific topic. And then we have the emotional and bodily feeling. The emotion is joy. The polyword word for this is piti. And the bodily sensation is sukha. And that is pleasure in the body. The body is pleasurable. The feeling in the body is pleasurable. And the last factor is ekagata, which means one. The mind is unified. All of its attention is on the topic. There's another expression the Buddha uses, and that is, Micha Samadhi. So the factor of the Eightfold Path is Samma Samadhi. Micha Samadhi is another form of Samadhi and it has many of these factors in it, but it's directed to the wrong kind of topics. So you could achieve Micha Samadhi listening to music, for instance. Why is right concentration not attainable by listening to music if the same experiences come up? Well, because music is a sensuous subject, it's sound it's possible also by sight to get samadhi, but it's based on sensual desire and the fulfillment of the sensual desire the enjoyment of the senses and what sama samadhi is is removed from the senses the mind has withdrawn from sights and sounds smells taste touches and is now left with in the first jhana it is possible to cultivate ideas but not long conversational type ideas if one has ideas it's on a very specific topic the spiritual topics which are directed right at the beginning by the four noble truths that is right view and everything proceeds from right view so what is the purpose of sama samadhi the right concentration it is to fulfill the goal of right view It is the having trained the mind to see. This sets you up for clarity of sight, the mind sight. Something should be very importantly emphasized here. You hear about the Vipassana schools, and you also sometimes hear of a strong diminishment of Samatha practice, and jhana practice. But what the Buddha says is that one who attains to this samma there is no need to wish, may wisdom arise, wisdom naturally rises and swells out of samma samadhi Notice, again, the emphasis on samma samadhi not just samadhi, this is the objection usually to insight practitioners. They say, "Well, in uh, Hindu practice, there's yoga and uh, samadhi and jhana practice, and that's all. That's all it does. It just goes to there." And they recite episodes from the Buddha's life before he was the Buddha, of him practicing very high states of jhana, and dismissing them as not leading to true liberation. However, it's hard to explain why he includes sama-samadhi in the Eightfold Path if it's unnecessary and doesn't lead to release and freedom. Why does he include it then? It's because it's sama-samadhi. It's deep concentration at the service of right view, and that's what distinguishes it from the mere practice of yogic types of samadhi. So the Buddha says if you can attain this samma samadhi, samadhi at the service of right view, there is no need to wish. May wisdom arise. Wisdom naturally rises and swells out of samma samadhi. So this is indeed the way the Buddha was practicing on the night of his enlightenment. He goes back to a memory he had as a child of actually entering into a state of samadhi. The samadhi he entered into as a child was not necessarily right samadhi, though. He is now using that to purify his mind, the samadhi, to look deeply into the question of what attachments remain What is the root cause of suffering in the realm of samsara? So, he, first of all, cleanses the mind, purifies the mind with samadhi, and then inquires. He directs his inquiry and discovers the principles which underlie suffering and the cessation of suffering. So, you see this beautifully intertwined samadhi And wisdom are intertwined. Samadhi and investigation are intertwined. And samadhi and vipassana are intertwined. They assist each other. Vipassana, by the way, the way I define it is just to see clearly, it is not a technique in itself, it is the results of the practice of mindfulness. And also, samadhi is the result of the practice of mindfulness. We can never really disentangle these path factors. They all are intertwined with each other. They circle back on each other. They reinforce each other. They're called recursive structures. So they circle around and increase each other's capacities. The more samadhi you get, the more you understand right effort. The more you practice right effort, the more you will clarify your mindfulness. The more you clarify your mindfulness, the more access you will have to sama samadhi. And this will all help with right intention and right speech and right effort and right livelihood. All of these things circle on themselves. Samadhi practice is uh, less popular, less well-known in the West than is mindfulness practice and basically vipassana practice, which is really a form of mindfulness practice. The types of samadhi practice in the West are scattered and confused. There is a lack of familiarity with the texts and there are basically three schools of, when people start talking about jhanas and samadhi, three schools of this, light, medium, and strong. When people make samadhi seem to be an easy attainment for lay people on a two-week retreat or a one-week retreat, I do not think that the person teaching that is really talking about sama samadhi. And I don't think the people who are thinking that they have attained uh, some of the jhanas are actually easily accessing these states. It's not that easy. You have, on the other hand, schools of thought that say that it is virtually impossible to attain the jhanas at this time. So I'm uh, advocating a middle way between these two. It is possible... But don't underestimate what is meant by sama-samadhi. These are not normal. They're super normal. The ordinary person does not experience them. And the people who may think they're experiencing them, because the teacher may be encouraging them or suggesting that it's easy and to go ahead, they have perhaps very little sense of whether they're actually doing this. It's a bit like... A person who sings around the house, and somebody says, "Oh, you're very musical." But when you go and sing for your, you know, a professional coach or something, they you realize your estimate of your capacity is not in accord with reality. That is a much higher standard. It's a much higher thing. Now, this shouldn't be bad news for somebody who thinks they might have attained some samadhi. This should be good news that it's better than you think. That's all that I'm saying. These are supernormal states. It's better than you think. Ordinary people don't just sit down and do this. The factors of this are clearly explained by the Buddha, and certain types of topics are suitable for this more than others, and certain topics you can attain deeper and deeper states of samadhi, and It's by practicing that you attain them for a longer period of time. And then you also need to be able to use the resultants of them. Some kind of realizations can arise during the period of samadhi, when the mind is in samadhi. Mostly the texts seem to say that it's the after result, having purified the mind, of its distractions, and having lucidity after rising from samadhi, that the mind is directed to reflection, it is now in a state of serene reflection on dhamma objects, or the three characteristics of impermanence, insubstantiality, and unsatisfactoriness, anicca, dukkha, anatta, the mind is now serenely directed to this and how it arises within the human existence, within the mind, within the body. And it's because the mind is now in a special state of clarity that insight can arise. This result, insight is a result. And with this can come an unconditional and irreversible insight which changes you. The way you view reality is changed forever. That would be a state of enlightenment. That would be a stage of enlightenment. It only takes a moment and it's done. Once the glimpse has been had, there is no going back. There is no unseeing it. So Samadhi is playing a very pivotal role, very, very pivotal role In this whole process. It should not be underestimated as, in other words, as not important, and it should not be underestimated how demanding it is to get into this and the true effect of this. This sama samadhi is also extremely pleasant and will clear up and give you some relief from the ordinary sufferings of life you will have more or less a pension. If you can get samadhi, I call it a, a kind of retirement pension. You can retire from the world of the senses. Most people have to spend all the livelong days searching in the world of the senses for little hits of stimulus, little drops of honey. But if you can find your way into this Sama Samadhi, it will allow you to live quite happily, removed from the endless search in the world for sensory gratification. And so it's the underpinning for a life, a solitary life, which is rich and enjoyable. Without Samadhi, it is virtually impossible to live the solitary low sensory existence of monks and nuns. The Buddha says, you know, if you go to the forest and you have not samadhi, then you will soon be back. You don't have anything to live on. So samadhi is a form of food. It nourishes you. It's a mysterious form of food. The people in the world around you can't see where you're getting your food. How can you be at ease and at peace in solitude? You must be getting your food from somewhere. They get their food from the sensory world, from sights and sounds, smells, tastes, touches, and ideas. But the one who attains samadhi has another source. The Buddha talks about it as a pool in the mountains, which has no rivers running into it. How is the pool a clear, cool, and fresh pool in the mountains If there are no rivers running into it, it's because there's a spring in the pool. And bubbling up out of the earth is this cool, fresh water circulating in this pond. So that's his metaphor for samadhi. From within comes the cool, clear, refreshing experience. It is not coming from outside. Not coming from rivers of sensory experience flooding in it comes from within you so this is a brief description of sama Samadhi and some of the critical points for those who are wanting to understand this and to pursue this first is to not think that it's impossible at this time but that it's super normal and you should not take small experiences as samadhi. It's a profound and sustaining experience. If you've had a glimpse occasionally of it, a glimpse is not enough. One should then continue to cultivate it until one can sustain it. Only when it's sustained and deepened does it serve its purpose for allowing the mind to awaken to liberation and freedom.